Listen and follow the Left Wing Rugby podcast with me, Will Slattery and Luke Fitzgerald. As far as I can see, I always want to get in the Irish team. And that should be every young player's dream and ambition in this country. And if you're playing in a place where you're not going to get the opportunities in the big games, that they're the ones that get you picked. They are the ones, the Champions Cup games are the ones that get you picked. You need to be playing in a team and starting in a team for those games. It's as simple as that if you want to play in the Irish team. Every week on Apple, Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. Leia Healthcare, looking after you always. Proud sponsors of Real Health with Carl Henry. Hello and welcome to Real Health with me, Carl Henry, in association with Leia Healthcare. Folks, over the last few years, positive affirmations have become incredibly popular. While some swear by it, others who have tried it may find it a difficult habit to get into. How useful is positive thinking? Can it really be transformative? Or are we living in a world where constant desire to be happy has become a little bit toxic? Well, today I'm joined by psychotherapist and author of the book Toxic Positivity, Whitney Goodman, to discuss how too much positivity can turn negative. Whitney, all the way from Miami, a very big welcome to the show. How's it going? Hi, thank you so much for having me. We're delighted to have you on. So let's get stuck straight in. What's to- what is toxic positivity? Toxic positivity is the unrelenting pressure to be happy and positive or be pursuing that at all costs, no matter what the situation. And we see this as a force that we can use against ourselves or other people. Okay. And is it as much got to do with timing and the kind of support that you need at a specific time that can make that positivity toxic? For sure. So I think timing is one of the biggest factors that brings positivity from being like helpful or healthy into the realm of being toxic. When we use it at a time when someone is really struggling, looking for a different type of support, that's when we can really see it go wrong. Okay. And over the course of, say, the last two years, obviously, we've had a global pandemic to live through. Things have been really, really tough. Uh, has there been more toxic positivity than ever before? Or is that is that a, is that a myth? So I saw something really interesting happening, I think, when the pandemic was really like reaching its peak was that we were all being encouraged to be positive. We got to be grateful, get through this together. But we were hearing a lot of those messages from like celebrities or government leaders or people that were in very different situations from the average person. Um, So I think we saw a little bit of like a dip in positive thinking, but it had a huge resurgence during the pandemic. And now I think is still kind of hanging around. Okay. And tell, us, tell me a little bit more about yourself. How did you get into all of this? How did you get into this as a as a, an Instagram sensation? Where did it start? So I became a therapist about like seven, eight years ago. And I started to go on Instagram to market my private practice. And when I got on there, I found this part of social media that I guess had missed me along the way, all these like live, laugh, love posts. And you just have to be grateful. And I was like, wow, I hate this. And I imagine that... My clients that I'm talking about all this serious stuff with hate it too. So I started to just have more conversations about it with people. And I noticed that so many people did not like it. They found it unhelpful, but we all were sort of like living in this world where we had to pretend like we liked it and like it was helpful. And the more I talked about it, the more I realized, okay, wow, there's a lot of people who feel the way that I feel. And was that the big reaction that you had to the post that you put up? People were kind of that you know you were expressing something that so many people felt but no one else were no one else was willing to express it yeah that you know it was really polarized which is why i decided to stick with that phrasing of toxic positivity because so many people were like this is stupid how can positivity 
even be toxic. And then there were people who were like, wow, this is exactly what I've been feeling for so much of my life. Okay. And what about, you know, if when you see this kind of content and you, you follow people online who are delivering these, you know, the kind of, you know, the everything is brilliant posts, even when it's not. And is there a fear that if you don't agree with that, that you're seeing as uh, we were afraid we would have an Ireland to be a negative Nelly, that you're seeing as a negative person for disagreeing with it. Yeah. Yeah. So here it's like a negative Nancy <laughs> okay. in the US. And I think it's a similar sentiment that there is this fear of being seen as negative. Like, I think that's the thing that we fear is like that people aren't going to like us if we're not positive or they're going to think that there's something wrong with us if we're not positive. And so we have to constantly be putting on this act, even when it doesn't feel genuine. I think generally there's a, there's a sense now, of, you know, we're pushing towards this, this kind of utopia of feeling positive all the time, that things are great and things are fabulous and we should all be feeling that way. There's a pressure almost to be like that. Is that a, a, a fair comment? Is that something that you're seeing both through Instagram, but also with your practice as well? Totally. It's absolutely a fair comment. I think social media has really played into that desire. We're constantly looking at the lives of other people that appear to be perfect and happy and great. And it's almost this idea that like, if I can just find a way to emulate that, then I will never feel anything distressing or bad. And that's enticing. It, it would be nice you know, to not have to deal with the human condition of experiencing emotions. And it's not a healthy thing people should be aspiring to. Presumably it's not from a, a, a mental health perspective. For sure. It's, it's not. And I think that's what I ultimately found through my research and my work as a therapist is that this goal that we're striving towards is actually going to make us more miserable because we're missing out on so much good data and information and experiences when we try to avoid everything in life that isn't happiness or positivity. Okay, so it's normal to, to, to not be happy all the time and trying to aspire to that is almost setting yourself up for failure. Totally. I mean, as a human being, you are going to feel a wide range of emotions and some of them are going to be like, because you just didn't drink enough water, you didn't sleep well. Some of them are going to have deeper meaning that you need to investigate. But all of those feelings have value. And when we try to eliminate anxiety, fear, depression, all these things from our life, we're never really going to know um, what are the things that we need to stop doing? What do we need to change? What might be harmful? And so we really end up kind of like putting ourselves in this box that's totally unattainable and unsustainable. And is it about trying to find that happy medium then? Should we be looking to strive for a medium where you have good days, you have bad days, there are things that make you happy, there are things that make you not so happy. You know, is that the the, the aim, I suppose, or the goal from a, a mental health perspective? Absolutely. Um, there's a, a concept called radical acceptance that's part of dialectical behavioral therapy I talk about in the book. Uh, and that's really just that we can accept that things are bad. We can also have hope for the future. And we can accept things and say, I may not really like this, but this is how life is. I also am a huge fan of living in accordance with our values. And when we do that, we know that I'm on the right path. I'm doing what's important to me. And that's going to bring up a wide variety of emotions, not just happiness all the time. Okay, so creating those values then is a, is a really important part of setting yourself up for the right way. So finding what's really important to you on a, from a, a values perspective. Chat, chat us through that a little bit more. 
Yeah. So the va- your values are really like your roadmap for life and it's constantly changing depending on your age. So when I was like in my early 20s, I may have prioritized values like uh, spontaneity, freedom, fun. And now I'm a parent with a career and maybe I want more stability and family and routine are values of mine. And so thinking about like, how can I back those values up with action? What is my life going to look like on a daily basis if that's what I'm prioritizing? And then remembering that like for people who have children, you may love your kids. That's a value of yours. It's important to you, but it doesn't always bring you happiness or joy in every single moment. There are also moments that are hard involved in all of that. And again, that's a, you know, I think the parenting thing is a really interesting angle on it. That again, it, they're normal. It's normal to have tough days. It's normal to have, to, you know, it's not all, it's not all roses and, you know, and reading your book at bedtime. It's normal to have hard days and frustrating days and all those emotions are regular. And it's not all about, again, yeah. the toxic positivity where people, you know, on Instagram or wherever, it's brilliant and it's fantastic. And, uh, you know, it is regular to have tough days and bad days. Absolutely. I think so many of us have this feeling of like, I'm the only one that feels like this. No one else is struggling as much as me. No one else is having as many bad days. And that's where that like cultural force of toxic positivity comes in, right? Is telling us that you're the only one that feels this way. And I want people to really take away that that's just not accurate. Everybody has bad days. And I'm I'm a therapist. I hear about those bad days all day long so I can speak from from authority on that one and chat me through I, I'm, I'm fascinated to get your thoughts on the impact of things like Instagram think not just Instagram on their on its own but social media in general that kind of toxic view of the perfect lifestyle and the perfect body and the perfect car and the perfect family and the perfect partner mm-hmm. and it all looks wonderful they might have taken 20 photographs to get the perfect photograph but you know I'm fascinated by the impact of that on people's mental health and around that idea of that toxic positivity and the toxic almost view of the perfect everything uh, and the, how people can manage that if they find that they are being impacted by it. Yeah you know I think the biggest thing we have to remind ourselves and I do this myself often is how much do you show about yourself on the internet? How much are you leaving out? And really remind yourself that like, if you're only showing about 10%, 20%, maybe if you're like an influencer, the other person probably is doing the same thing. And so really not trying to look at that tiny sliver as the full picture is so important. That's a really good, yeah. That, that, in all fairness, that's a really good way of looking at it in terms of the input that if you're, you know, if you're only showing 10, 15% of your own life, there's a fair chance that the person's showing there or even less, you know, it, it's, it's, it's a, it's a really, you know, it's a fantastic aspect of that. Cause we do, we do see it's certainly here in Ireland that the impact of social media in terms of people trying to aspire to these things that are unattainable because they're viewing it a, cer- a certain way, but it's a, it's a fantastic way to, mm-hmm. it's a fantastic angle on it, you know? Um, and in terms of people who do struggle with, so it, it, obviously the obvious things it's to recommend for them is less, you know, it's less screen time. It's reducing your, it's reducing your time on, on social media, presumably is the, is the biggest step they can make. I think less screen time is, is always good, especially if it's getting in the way of you doing other things for yourself. But Sometimes that can feel difficult for people, especially because it is such a big part of our lives. And so another thing I ask people to do is to really think about like, what types of content are you consuming and how is it making you feel about your life? So the content you're consuming should be inspirational, educational, supportive in some way. We don't need to go on there and scroll just to make ourselves feel bad. 
I know like while I was pregnant, I was following all these um, like influencers who were modeling or whatever. And I was like, oh, this is making me feel terrible. I got to unfollow all these people. And that's okay. You can go back to that at other times in your life. But really being aware and conscious that you get to create what you view there. No one's, I mean, besides ads, no one's really forcing all of that into your phone and unfollow mute people. Don't look at their stuff if it's negatively impacting you. Folks, you're listening to Real Health with me, Carl Henry, in association with Leia Healthcare. Um, chat me through work and toxic positivity in the workplace. I think this is a really interesting angle. Again, through COVID, we've seen in the workplace, there's a huge, you know, sense of just overly positive and, and, and almost trying to, you know, n- neglect the fact that we're in a global pandemic. Toxic positivity in the workplace is really common and it's, you know, and it is a real problem. Yeah, I think we've been sold this idea that in order to move ahead in the workplace, you have to be positive all the time. And I don't want to diminish the impact um, or the power of a good attitude and being a team player. That's all important. But what I find is that people are often being asked to silence concerns, worries, whatever it is in the name of a positive work culture. And the research really shows us that when we do that, it stifles creativity. It makes people feel less connected to their work and to the community. And it ultimately ends with people leaving their jobs because they don't feel supported or like the people around them have empathy for that. Okay. So within, if anyone's listening in who's in a position of power within a workplace, it's trying to create a culture of being able to talk about the pros and the cons, the goods and the bads, and be and, and, and an acceptance around that in terms of staff well-being. So the biggest thing you can do is really like not overcomplicate this. I think, especially for us here in the US, we've tried to create this positive work culture by like having parties and pizza and bar carts and all this stuff. And it's like, People really want the simple human things. They want to know that you're there for them, that you care about more than what they can provide in the workplace, um, that you have empathy for them, and also that you create spaces where their concerns can be heard. So the biggest thing I recommend is having some type of built-in structure or space in the workplace that people can go to when they have concerns and they can feel heard, listened to, and someone can say to them, hey, that's something we can fix, or tell them, sorry, we don't have the resources to fix that right now, or come up with some other type of intervention. Okay, great. Positive thinking and wellness, that's the next topic I want to have a chat about. So again, as part of the wellness industry, there's a huge push of, you know, it's all about thinking positive, and it's all wonderful and fabulous. But, uh, you know, uh, it is important, A, to have a more a more balanced view of the world, but in some respects, some elements of positive thinking can improve your wellness and have a positive impact on your health too. Absolutely. So what I find in wellness is that people are kind of on that extreme of like, you need to be positive if you're going to be healthy. You need to be positive if you're going to get through this. And what we find is that that radical acceptance piece, that being able to be in the middle is the healthiest place for you mentally. When people have mental flexibility and the ability to understand that things can be both hard and good at the same time, and they're kind of able to be to switch in between the two and stay in that gray area, those are the people that we see have the most success in life because they don't get stuck in either place. People who focus too much on positivity and actually 
try to live only in that place have actually been shown to have less skills for dealing with conflict, with difficulty, because they're not prepared. And they're more um, shocked when difficult things come up and unable to handle them. Okay. People who you surround yourself with, I'm intrigued by this one, obviously, in terms of for, uh, on both ways so sometimes people are overly positive and again that's toxic in its own right but those who are negative can be toxic too chat us through the the importance of your direct influence your direct network of people who are around you and the impact they can have on your own mental health i think it's important to have a diverse group of people around you that are have different um skill sets for helping you through hard things, right? Or for being there for you when you need a positive influence or support. What I find is that our circles have gotten so small that now we rely on one or two people to fill all of these roles. And I think that's when we start calling people negative or wanting them to be more positive for us because we're all going through our own stuff all the time. And there's going to be seasons where people can't be there for you or they can't be as helpful. And so I always like to point out that there's a big difference between like your friend that's always complaining about like the weather or the food and somebody who is grieving or going through a breakup or a loss. And we have to be careful not to call that second person negative, you know, because we might also be in a place one day where we need a little bit of extra support or we need someone to understand why it's hard for us. And, you know, if you're if you're feeling or you're in a relationship, not even from a, a sexual perspective, but even from a friend's perspective, where you feel it's having a negative impact on your mental health most of the time, is there a way people should deal with that? Is there a way people can approach that? Or is there, you know, yeah. is there a method to be able to help people in that scenario? So I think it's really nuanced just because depending on what the person is going through and, and you know, you don't want to, of course say to someone who's struggling with their mental health, like, hey, you're such a negative influence on my life, like I'm cutting you out, because that could be very detrimental to them. So I think coming back to like, what can I control? What are my boundaries? If I notice that this person is having a negative impact on me, maybe I want to spend less time with them. Maybe I don't want to call them when I have good news because they can't be there for me. Maybe I want to ask them like, hey, are you okay? You've seemed like you've been pretty down lately, or I notice that you've been more negative and trying to just think about what can I do in my own life to control this, not putting the responsibility all on them. Again, really good point. So it comes back to your values. It comes back to that, that you know, all, and analyzing yourself a little bit as opposed to looking to blame others. It's, it's putting yourself in the driver's seat that you control and you're in control of, of the relationships. Yeah, exactly, exactly. One of the questions we always ask guests who come on are kind of top takeaway tips I'd love people to get from the episode. So for the people who are listening in today, if you had three simple things you would like them to do or like them to take away from the app, what would those three things be? I know it's a horrible question, but I always ask it because it's a nice question yeah. to ask. <laughs> no, it's good. I think the conversation we had about social media, curating your feed um, to fit your life and what you need is so important. Um, realizing that all emotions have value and that we can utilize them in certain ways in our life. And then remembering that you're able to set boundaries with the people in your life that may be having a negative influence on you. Whitney Goodman, thank you so much for joining us on today's show. Remind us again of your Instagram account where people can find you and the name of the book. Yeah, you can find me on social media, Instagram, etc. at sit with wit. 
And my book is Toxic Positivity, and it's being sold anywhere books are sold. You can also find it through my website, sitwithwit.com. Fantastic. Thank you so much for joining us all the way from Miami today. We really, really appreciate it. Folks, that's it for another episode of Real Health with me, Carl Henry, in association with Lay Health. If you know where we are, realhealthandindependent.ie, at carlhenrypt on Instagram. We're back next week for more Real Health. So long, good Leia Healthcare, looking after you always. Proud sponsors of Real Health with Carl Henry.